Hello, everyone. Welcome to Word with Dave Clay. Now, I give, <laughs> I give a lot of advice. Really, you're not supposed to give advice. Uh, as a psychological counselor, I'm supposed to assist you in finding answers and solutions. Uh, and along the way, acknowledge while there may be answers and solutions that work for me, as a disclaimer and disclosure, they may not indeed work to the same benefit for you. And therein, don't give advice. <laughs> that's, the, that's the conventional wisdom, uh, so to speak, that goes along with psychological counseling. <laughs> but I still give some advice. Uh, some of the advice I give, though, is so generic. There's no way it has anything to do so much with the individual, maybe in some sort of collective way, if you call us all part of, you know, what it is to be human in that sort of individualized sort of perspective. Uh, maybe it's individual, but, you know, human is human, and we're all human, and in that way, it's universal. So I do give a lot of advice, uh, and to be really very professional about this, I recognize the difference between you as an individual and me as an individual, and should I give even some sort of personal dimension? If it were me, I'd do this. I'd probably say, of course, I'm not you, and this is just about me, and I just want to share this with you as a different perspective. But for the most part, it never comes, the advice I give never comes back to, I'd do this or I'd do that. It'd be more along the lines of, humans are probably better if you do it this way or that way or we did it this way or that way. <laughs> so what am I trying to chase down? I told a patient the other day, I'd stop having a birthday. <laughs> and of course... The age of the patient may or may not be relevant or significant. Uh, they were an older individual, but I'd say it to a younger person too. Probably once you clear your 20s, uh, birthdays have utility, but really they're not all that great or grand in the scheme of things. And actually, though, there may be a lot of celebrating mileage that you get out of yet another year. <laughs> We do that, again, for us in a phenomenological, individual sort of way. But, you know, we do that collectively. And every year we celebrate New Year's and all the additional holidays that kind of are days of commemoration, if you don't like to call them holidays, of uh, time passing or reference to time. But generally speaking, I think the less you think about time, <laughs> the better off you're going to be. And, and of course, there is some personal dimension of relevance to this. I've come to this conclusion as with application to myself. And I certainly wouldn't offer you an opinion or any sort of so-called advice, except that I would also consider would I do it. If, if I were to have somebody give me the advice, would I follow that? Does it make sense? Is it appropriate? Have I put myself rightly so into your shoes, so to speak? Have I really understood your emotions and your thoughts sufficient uh, to 
really then say, well, you should just do this. And of course, I would once again never say it quite that way, but we'd explore it in those terms. What has brought me to this conclusion about age, though, is it's nothing but trouble. (laughs) When you consider it in light of what it really means, there is no good into it and there's no way around it if you begin, no way around the no good end, if you begin with that premise in mind, even that it is past, present, future, it is age-related, it is contextual, it is birthdays and New Year's and all those days of commemoration that take place during the year where you can reflect and reminisce and think back and all of that is slippery slope, dangerous business. But should this be (laughs) still someone's opinion that all of my opinion is just nothing more than advice, keep it to yourself, doesn't have anything to do with me, I've got some scientific evidence to back it up, which is always good especially doing what I do for a living, and which is always really good for the podcast because we want to make it as empirically sound, evidence-based as possible. And to do that, we try to source and resource good information. And our primary source, because it always seems to be that psychology today, the primary source, has a lot of interesting articles. The relevance, the pop psychology, as they used to call it, sort of angle on it makes it entertaining. And why should I not want to bring any information to you, if I can, in some sort of entertainment sort of dimension? There's no wrong, nothing wrong with you enjoying the podcast and us having a bit of fun with it. Psychology Today. (laughs) It's a a long way to get to the article. February of 2023. Gaining perspective on aging. Thinking about how you'll grow as you age could help you live longer. Written by Susan Cross Whitbourne, PhD, a regular contributing author to Psychology Today. How you think about aging can play a key role in how long you actually live. And new research finds that a particular set of beliefs may be especially beneficial for boosting longevity, which is another word for aging. Writing in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, researchers followed 2,400 adults ages 40 to 85 for up to 23 years. They tracked mortality and asked participants to self-report their subjective age. That is, how old they felt and their self-perceptions of aging, acronym SPA. SPA, self-perceptions of aging, were classified as either gain-related. For example, aging means that I can learn new things or loss-related. Getting older means I am less healthy. Participants who most strongly endorsed gain-related beliefs, that is, who most believed that aging offered opportunities for growth, were the least likely to die over the course of the study. Loss-related beliefs had no apparent effect on mortality, nor did participants' subjective age. 
A gain-related mentality appeared to benefit the middle-aged as much as it did older individuals. Getting older comes with inevitable loss, and ignoring this reality is neither possible nor advisable. Speaking of advice. But when aging starts to take a toll, focusing on what you have left to gain, things like experience, wisdom, and social connectedness, could help you enjoy even more of your later years. Individuals with goal-related beliefs lived on average 13 years longer. Gaining perspective on aging, thinking about how you'll grow as you age, could help you live longer by Susan Krauss, Whitbourne, Ph.D. Now you could say, well, Dave, nowhere in there did she give the advice to stop thinking about your age. She didn't say anything about don't celebrate your birthday. She didn't say anything about forget about New Year's Day. She didn't say anything about the perils of putting everything within the context of time, past, present, and future. Actually, what she said was it was pretty advisable as well as unavoidable to not consider age. But when you think about it in the way that she did present it, it does seem like you could say that individuals who really don't begin by thinking about their age or seeing everything within reference to age, when they don't see it within context of either loss, as she put it, or as with aging means that I can learn new things, or loss-related, getting older means I am less healthy, or gain-related, anything uh, aging means that I can learn new things, or loss-related, getting older means I am less healthy. Neither of those factors necessarily mattered to the extent of mortality, except to see it as gain-related, and then... Even the perception, your subjective age, how old you felt, or your self-perceptions, again, on aging, if, if meaning that you saw everything within the context of getting older means I'm less healthy, or I'm going to lose something, it doesn't help any. It didn't contribute in any sort of significant way to... The individuals with gain-related beliefs lived on average 13 years longer. Longevity. Now, again, individuals with their SPAs, or their self-perception of aging, as being more gain-related, meaning that they did not think of that in terms of not only loss, but supposing that the greatest of all losses (laughs) is mortality when you die, If you don't think about it, if you just live your life within the capabilities or the capacities that you're presently enjoying, would that not even make better sense than to begin with a reference of age that inevitably is going to cause you to pay attention? And when you begin to pay attention, you're already thinking about how old you are. (laughs) Then with that, that idea of self-perception particularly when it comes to loss, you're already in the trap. (laughs) You've already fallen into the conundrum, uh, or at least found yourself in a conundrum, because you're already beginning to measure it by what you're about to lose. 
And then, of course, why would that not naturally incline you to think of all the loss that is ahead? And where is the fun in that? Where's the positive in that? And even as much you might then look at it outside of subjective, outside of those SPAs when it comes to self-perceptions of aging, but the subjective, how old you really feel, you're already beginning to think, well, you know, I felt this way when I was at that age, and probably I hear from others, maybe even consider myself, I might feel this way when I get to that age. So we're, you're already starting to measure it. And once you begin to go down that path and measure everything by context of age or aging, and with that then, the additional notion of mortality, loss, where is there going to be any gain in that? And as much as you could get a little bit disappointed, maybe, thinking about all of that loss and eventually where you'll end up, uh, you might not only be a bit disappointed that that's all that's ahead of you, but you might become discouraged (laughs) and you might pack it in. You may start to see things not by what you have (laughs) to gain or even what you might presently have, but rather what you have to lose. And with that then kind of forecast... (laughs) all of the bad things and start to kind of live to that standard. You've imposed it. It's self-imposed. <laughs> she didn't call it, or the researchers did not call it uh, standard being necessarily uh, self-imposed. They called it self-perceptions. But it's the same thing. <laughs> You're forecasting a future that does not look too bright. And if the future is not all that bright and you don't expect good things, then you could indeed begin to get what you expect. And rather than living up to, in an aspirational sort of way, the best that could be, you're going to start to live down to the worst that possibly can happen. And certainly there's no lack of evidence of your aging I can speak from the backside, so to speak, of that curve, bell-shaped curve. Uh, You can accumulate a lot of aches and pains along the way, and some days are better than others when it comes to physical functioning, but even mental acuity and psychological health and well-being. But we're not talking about just optimism here. Because you can't, again, just rely on pretending it away. You have to somehow remove and or alter the standard. So that whatever you do in the way of appraisal, the subjective dimension, is not so geared toward one day I'm going to die, or let's see how bad I feel today. (laughs) That might be in some attempt at empiricism, some tangible way, evidence of, am I really feeling older? Am I feeling younger? You know, I've heard that saying, you're only as old as you feel. Well, don't rely on that because even so, and maybe this would alter if you were more optimistic. Maybe you wouldn't be so focused upon your pains. 
preoccupied with that or maybe even with the pain. You'd be hopeful and optimistic. You'd still go out and embrace life and try to do the best you can with the circumstances you're given and whatever might be left to you in terms of physical capabilities and capacity, mental capability and capacity. You wouldn't let that be a barrier. You wouldn't be packing it in and giving up. Or shutting yourself off, so to speak, by closing the door to the future from any of the probably countless possibilities that there's a lot that could happen between now and then. And what is the then? It's the expected end. It's mortality. But if I were to tell you that I had the secret to adding 13 years to your life on average, would you not want to know it? Therein is my advice. Don't think about your age. At least don't start there if you have to think about your age because so much of what we do is within the context of past, present, and future, and it's a reference, and we all need a reference, uh, though we might live within a, a world at times where time stands still or seemingly does, or we want to take all of that off of it. You can't. Totally. Completely, but you don't have to start there. (laughs) Go out and try to do some things. Have optimism. Be positive about what you may or may not be able to find (laughs) of entertainment. The podcast, Word with Dave Clay. We want it to be entertaining. We want it to be relevant. We want it to be exciting, maybe. If you can make stuff like this at all, put it in the category of exciting. I'd want it to be new news or at least something of interest to you. But life can be that way. But when you stop listening to the podcast or if you stop living your life within those kind of definitions or that definition... Uh, Maybe that should be first when you start living your life within the context of pessimism and negativity and woe is me and oh, I feel worse today than I did yesterday and let me make a comparison to that. You're in trouble. Not only are you not going to enjoy the podcast, you're not going to enjoy your life or by not enjoying life, you're probably not going to be too keen on a podcast that tells you to stop thinking about things in those terms. Stop thinking about things, generally speaking, in negative terms. It's a good piece of advice. But what is the thing, the nemesis for most of us that sets the context to the negativity for most of us in our life? It's death. Don't think about dying. The more you think about dying, the harder it is to find a reason to live. That's advice. It's a truism too, but it's empirically sort of sound in the sense that I extrapolate, take from this article, Gaining Perspective on Aging, your perspective is everything. How you look at it is everything. It's that old adage of a glass half filled, half empty. How you look at it can speak to a large measure, no pun intended, of whether you're a pessimist, half empty, or an optimist, half full. It's up to you. It's still half a glass, 
But if you see it more optimistically, then you will not be as inclined to deny yourself or limit yourself or worry and ruminate and perseverate the negative thoughts, the fear would not amplify, be accentuated to the point where you give up. You pack it in, close the door, wall yourself off, and just wait for the inevitable to come. Which, again, based on this article, might be 13 years sooner than the guy or the girl or the person, if you want to make it genderless, that doesn't think that way. Who goes out and enjoys life? Now, there's a lot to be said, too, just in bodily sort of dimensions, physical, psychological, both the psychology as well as most directly the physical comes back to biochemistry. Go out and live life. You're going to be more healthy. Go out and go through some enhancement, right? Stimulation. Challenge yourself in some ways. See yourself in new ways, new dimensions of living. Enjoy new things, new experiences. It's enhancement. It makes life better, but it does have an adaptive dimension too. It engages you in constructive sort of activities and pursuits, all of which, whether it's more directly, biochemically, with regard to the physical, keeps your body healthier, to move, to be active, within limits. (laughs) Take the, again, advice of your physician, your medical doctor, who is the specialist on those sorts of things. But at the same time, if they say, well, go on out and have some fun. Breathe the air. Go on and take a walk in the morning or the evening. Or do something physically. Go catch a movie. (laughs) If you can still go to theaters. People still go to theaters. Do something out of your house. Be with other people. Oh, they'll, they'll cause me, they'll, they'll want me to, and thus it'll be kind of causative of me kind of doing things, and I don't know that I'm up to doing things, and you know, they'll want to do this, and they want to do that, and I may not want to do this or do that. Well, sometimes it's good to be with people who might think differently or engage you in some things that you might not otherwise want to do, but you might find after it's over with, it was a lot more fun than you thought it was going to be and again there's all these physical benefits to being active doing some sort of physical activities but it's also enhancement when it comes to stimulating such things as creativity and what really then is the key to all gain in life if you haven't figured it all out yet by in regards to the podcast, but what we've said thus far in the podcast, let me just again give this other piece of advice. Don't only quit thinking about your age, but understand when you stop thinking in those terms of mortality and ends and the pain that's going to go along with getting there, you can be a lot more creative. And if you're going to enjoy or gain to the end of enjoying, finding something positive about your life, then that needs to be a shift because it's like creativity. It doesn't close the door, using that metaphor. Again, it opens the door. Yes, there's risk out there, but you've got a lot of good resource on your side. We've adapted. 
evolved, shown adaptability as one of the most evolutionarily beneficial, shown to be one of the most evolutionarily beneficial advantages of our humanity. We know how to have a good time. We know how to live life. Don't be self-destructive. Use common sense. Sometimes you have to think about age. Sometimes you may want to give some thought to, is this going to harm my health? Especially if your doctor has told you not to do it. Your medical doctor. But if you've not gotten that specific instruction, ask them if you have questions. But don't allow your negativity, should you have fallen into that trap, don't allow your referencing to age, your references to age, referencing yourself within context of age, measuring your value, your worth, your life, your enjoyment, potential for enjoyment in life, by how old you are. Don't let that subjective perspective cause you to cloud or become clouded in your view of yourself and what's left. If you don't think about age, at least not primary, then you're going to be more likely to not be so biased by it. It's a good way to kind of remove that until it's necessary from the factoring, from the equation. And if you live a life within that context of not only optimism, creativity, positivity, then you may find that age is, as they say, just a number. It doesn't matter. But the moment that you start to consider it first and foremost, how old you are subjectively, well, how much hell do I feel? How much is, is really still left in the tank, so to speak? How much can I really still do? You're probably already going down the wrong path. As I say, you've already risked drinking the Kool-Aid or drunk the Kool-Aid and therein. It's too late. It's hard to get out of that trap. Now, somewhat similar is chronic pain. We do some work. I do some work. Psychological counseling with people who have chronic pain. But should it be any surprise then if I apply the same sort of advice to chronic pain that I am to aging? Your perspective really says a lot about how badly the pain can interfere or impair not only your psychological function, but as we've tried to make that correlation even to the physical functioning People who sit around and think about how badly something hurts doesn't, don't do anything but focus more attention on the wrong thing. They're focusing on the pain. And surprise, you're going to feel it more intensely. It's going to become prominent, predominant even, in terms of your perspective. And you're going to be thinking, well, am I hurting today? And even if you weren't hurting or it wasn't to your awareness that you were hurting, at least to the extent or degree that it might have been cautionary, sometimes pain does, it always does. But when you get to that level of chronic pain where it doesn't go away, it loses its adaptive benefit in the sense of letting you know not to do something because it hurts all the time. But you still sometimes are instrumentally encouraged to go ahead and do some things 
try. Don't focus on what you can't do. Don't focus on the pain. The more you begin to focus on the pain, it does the same thing. You get caught in that same trap. You fall into that same conundrum. It just makes the pain worse because you're giving it way more attention than it deserves or it is worthy of. It's not a false read and it shouldn't be completely discarded. But just don't let it become your first and foremost primary way of measuring not only quantity in life, but again, as I love to say, for any of you who've listened to the podcast, I repeat this over and over again because there's two basic standards. There is the quantitative We can't be dismissive of physical limitations and pain and injury and aging and all that stuff. All that goes along with that in terms of stuff is going to have a quantitative sort of effect on your life and be respectful. But the qualitative aspects of it, which I like to think is more within the psychological realm, at least the psychological aspects of optimism and hopefulness, and again, encouragement and creativity, you control that completely. (laughs) Don't self-sabotage by thinking about all the negatives. Don't limit yourself or restrict yourself or hold yourself back in that way if you can avoid it. So, whether I say, don't think about your pain, in the same way I say, don't think about your age, it has the same dynamic attached to it. It's not that I'm being dismissive of your pain or your age or however those two might connect. I'm just saying, okay, we've acknowledged, we've seen the realities, but let's not live there and let's not make that the only standard for your life. Because if you do, then you become part of the restriction. You become part of the impairment. You become part of the disability. You disable yourself as much as anything physically might in terms of quantity, competency, capacity, capability, physically might. You've psychologically rendered yourself disabled. You've said you can't do it. And you certainly can't do anything that your perspective on it is that it won't work. Why? Because you're the one that controls it and you control then the doing part of that and you'll just quit. You'll just give up. And I would not then fault you for having a negative view of things. I'm just going to challenge you. It's my job. As your psychological counselor, I'm officially challenging you. I am called to challenge you. To look at your life within different contexts and different perspectives. And yes, I can offer a lot of advice in that way. And even though it's somewhat discouraged, it's not entirely subjective. It's most universal in the sense that we're all humans. But if I've learned something along the way, working with other people, if as I confessed at the start of the podcast, I've also applied to myself and would never ask you to do something that I wouldn't do myself, then I don't know that that's bad advice. I don't know that that's corrupted in any way, shape, or form. You can still look back at me and say, well, I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to say, okay. Then if you're not, then this will be what we have to contend with. This is going to be then a factor. And with that, if you choose 
to let all the negativity, if you choose to allow all the limitations physically that go with either aging or as with the uh, metaphor, not metaphor, but the account of the physical pain, the chronic pain with the example of chronic pain, to limit your life, I can't tell you not to. But I can say that not only does good psychological counseling for aging mean that you have to start looking elsewhere, the standard for pain management is don't become fixated upon your pain. It will do you in. Don't measure it every day on a 1 to 10 scale. How's your pain today? Well, it's a 10. Well, then we'll have to take more medicine to know. No. (laughs) It may be a six or seven, but at the same time, we don't want to think of it in such a a way that you just start to, again, close doors rather than open them. And there's no greater testimony, I think, to any of this we're talking about today than to speak to a person who's lived through maybe a little bit of both. Not only do they have age that they've contended with, but they may have had some true disability or some limitation and not allowed them, not allowed it to define them in such a way that it's limited their life. We look at those individuals and I think, again, universally, we all admire them. Where did they find the courage to overcome? Where did they find the strength not to let this get them down? Where did they find the the strength not to give up along the way? Where did they choose to continue to face life even up to the end of their life? Maybe it's a chronic condition that that is like with cancer, something that has a limited, very limited, short scope, not long scope, but short scope kind of perspective. And they live their life right up to the very last moment. That's inspiring. That's encouraging. It doesn't mean that the cancer doesn't, isn't real or doesn't have an effect on them psychologically. It just means they choose to do something, I believe, most adaptively, most beneficially with it. They've not let it define them. They've not let it become the standard for not only who they are as individuals, but maybe more so what their life has become and then who they are as individuals. And it's not kept them from being as much as they are capable, have the capacity, competency to be out with people. Go out and be with people. I think that was the great tragedy for a lot of individuals. I won't say so universally, so generally that it's at risk of becoming somewhat stereotypical in that way that's not good. Stereotypes, prejudices, not all of us, but I think the majority of us who lost loved ones during COVID and couldn't be there with our loved ones because of the COVID restrictions, we've come to that awareness that to die and to die alone and to not have that opportunity up to the very end to have some sort of gain, even if it's just meaningful exchanges, even if it's just sharing love, even if it's just being there to comfort one another. It's worth possibly any risk. I don't know. It just seems like 
on the backside of that, probably a good number of those same individuals that did lose loved ones that could not go to the hospital and be with them or could not spend those final days with them, they would give anything to go back and have that chance to do that. And talk about gain. Maybe that is the greatest of gains is right up to the very end. We get this chance to love on one another, to be with one another, to not let even physical or psychological impairments steal what may be even a smaller ratio, proportion, degree of hope to be able to emotionally connect and love. But we should never risk missing those opportunities I understand it was, again, a conundrum, a very difficult sort of choice to have to make. But working with those individuals on the backside of that, in that same sort of way, it's very difficult for them to understand how it happened the way it did. And they feel like they needed to do more or that they would have wanted to do more. And some probably still feel like they need to do more or want to do more. And the person's no longer there. Now that's not to say that's a good thing, a bad thing. It's just a thing, right? It's just a reality. But the perspective is everything when it comes to looking at particularly realities like that. Those very, very, very difficult... Use another example, turning off the life support system of a loved one and having the doctor say, we really don't think that there's much hope and they're not going to recover and we just really need to make this decision. And you're left with that decision. Um, The time to do something about it is now. (laughs) And, And they will all likely have to face something like that someone else's, or even maybe our own mortality in that sort of way, as long as we're not there yet, then don't think about that so much. It may be important when you make out your will and last wishes, and you have to do those directives, end of life care, and those directives that go along with it to family and loved ones. But it shouldn't be a standard. We should not be sitting around waiting to the day that we have to do something like that, face something like that, or that should not be the end, should not be the current preoccupation to the extent that it steals your chance to live life. And though we've talked mostly in terms of aging and physical limits and restrictions, people can be traumatized by events and circumstances, some of which are long gone and still have an effect and still are consuming quality and quantity-wise the best that their life can be. My job in life is to help set people free from that and to help them see it differently. And I'm going to do that, even if it's a bit challenging. But that's also what we do in the podcast. That's what Word with Dave Clay is all about. I want to challenge you to see things in a little bit of a different perspective. Gaining perspective on aging, thinking about how you'll grow, or yes, you'll grow as you age can help you live longer. Yes, I fully endorse that. And especially 
when I read that I'll add on average, individuals with gain-related beliefs lived on average 13 years longer. If I can offer you that, even if it's advice, even if it's the four in the form that I've given it together, why on the podcast, why would I not give it to you? And hopefully, in the same sort of way, why would you not receive it? And if you can receive it in the way that I've given it, then I'd like to invite you back for the next edition of Word with Dave Clay, where I'm sure we'll take on something out of psychology today and pop psychology in general and find some relevance, hopefully, as you might apply it to your life. In the meantime, though, between now and when that occurs, I'd like to wish you not only good physical health, as with quantity, but good mental health, behavioral health, as with quality. Until then...